Every lady needs a hobby. On Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery Podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. This week we're reviewing season two, episode six. Marked for murder. Not sure that is, why is that the title of this episode? Marked for murder. Is it because of his tattoo? I think it's because of his tattoo. Mm, Bit of a stretch. Wait, before we get into it, I wanted to go over some housekeeping items for our listeners. All right. Um, First, if you haven't realized this already, we have switched our schedule to every two weeks release on Sundays. Um, We're hoping that this allows us to create better content for you. Also, an easier schedule for us since we both have full-time jobs. Yeah, we were very tired. Yeah, I wish that we podcasted full-time, if we're being honest. Yeah, that would be great. Dreams. Anyways, we don't. Sign me up. So, (laughs) um, and then the other thing I wanted to let everyone know is that we do have merch available now with our logo designed by the wonderful Madeline Page. So, um, you can check that out on our website. There's just a link to the merch. Um, you can also find us on Threadless. And, you know, you can support us and support a really cool logo at the same time. So Yeah, you can get mugs and t-shirts and tote bags um, and uh, help us offset those hosting costs. <laughs> um, so yeah, figured we'd do some housekeeping first and then we can go into the cold open, which features a hairy butt. This <laughs> which I know everyone is waiting for. Yeah, cold open zooms in on a naked hairy butt um, with a tattoo on it that says the hangman. And um, then it's a dude, he's hanging in a shower stall. And he's dead. He's definitely dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wait, oh, I I just messed up the whole intro. What did you think of this episode overall? Oh, um, I like this one a lot. I think there's some good sexual tension. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my favorite scenario, fantasy scenario, is one in which my ex is made jealous by my new, Mm -hmm. you know, my new better partner. So I like that this episode for that reason. Um, But I did on first watch find it extremely confusing. I couldn't keep the team straight. So like I had to pay really close attention to figure out what was going on this time. Yeah, it was very confusing. And all the like rugby players, sorry, footy players, <laughs> they all just kind of look the same. And I couldn't remember, figure out who's the coach and who's the team captain. Anyways, I did sort it all out in the end, but. Wait, is it not soccer? It's rugby? Yeah. Did you see the ball they were playing? Yeah, I remember Was that, that a now? soccer ball? But why do they call it football? They call it footy. Footy. Oh my God. But don't they call them footballers? Yeah, I think so. What the But they, it, it's definitely rugby. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you don't catch a soccer ball with your hands. No, Wow. Okay. Well, I was confused. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, I also liked this episode, um, mostly because I I enjoy sports, so I kind of like the good sport narrative, too, and I like at the end, they're all in the game. I like being at games, so. I'm not that into sports, I guess. Mm, Yeah. So, not for me, but... Yeah, well, you thought they were playing soccer the whole time, so it's pretty <laughs> well, clear. I mean, soccer is footy, like football, footy. No, do you call soccer footy? I thought people did. <laughs> Wait, I have to Google this. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I haven't heard rugby called footy before, but... Me either. I did hear somewhere the other day that basically um, most sports were played on horseback, like polo was on horseback, so then everything that wasn't played on horseback at one point was called football. Which is kind of how, like, soccer and American football are both called football, because it's like, you're not on a horse. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I wish I could remember where I heard that. Um, well, this says footy is a British term for football. Um, okay, no, okay, so there, here's an ask on Quora. Why do Australians call rugby league football? Mm-hmm. So, 
Okay. I mean, the ball that they're playing with appears to me like a rugby ball. Yeah. I've yeah. seen rugby like one time. Yeah. So I'm an expert. Seems so, like it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it a number of times, but I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like the part at the beginning where they all put their arms around each other and sort of sway. And Is that the scrum? Yeah. It, it seems, it's, it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And what a strange name for it, really. The scrum. I mean, I participate in a daily scrum, but it's actually just a meeting. Do you all put your arms around each other and no. sway? No. We usually stand awkwardly apart and just sort of mm. avoid eye contact while we give our daily updates. I think you should try to implement the form of a rugby scrum to your meetings. I will suggest it. Yeah. See how that goes over. <laughs> anyway. All right. Now we can actually get into it. So, uh, hairy butt, dude in a shower stall. Oh, and the water's running. And his bliss- his feet are all blistered. Which is really gross. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's true. The, the, I found the, the hairy butt to be a little- it's just, like, right away. Yeah. And it's not, like, we don't get a lot of butts in. Yeah, I mean, are there, can you think of any other butts that we see? Butts. Don't we see, we see the, in the movie episode where Franny hooks up with the, the Grecian, or the, not Grecian, the actor. I think we see, we get a a shot of his butt. Okay, it's been a while since I watched that one, because I don't like it very much, so. Yeah. All right, well, listeners, if you know of any (laughs) other butts. (laughs) Anyways. Um, so then... The next scene is at the neighboring football club where players are celebrating, but the captain isn't there yet. Um, and then a shady-looking girl sneaks in and steals the coach's hat. Um, and it seems like she's been paid to do this. Like, she's been put up to it. And I was, like, really confused why Bert was there. I was like, are you... Because he's a fan. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then also, I noted that it seems like at this point, the coach already knows that Harper is dead. Like, you can tell. Right, and he does, in fact, you know, at this point. Yeah. He is dead. Yep. Um, and then we also learned that the that Harper and the coach were really into like health remedies and cold water treatments. Sort of like sounds like like a Tom Brady situation. I had that in my notes. I'm like, this guy is basically Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> he probably has like a hundred dollar book full of pseudoscience that you can buy and, and read about his cold water treatments. I was reading some article about Tom the T B twelve method. And, like, somebody read the book. It was basically, like, this isn't based on science. And everything in the book is just trying to sell you a TB12 product. So, yes. I've hey. also read this. Yeah. So, Tom Brady. Yeah. I'll spare everyone who doesn't care about Tom Brady my rant about Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. I also have one. So, maybe we can just rant about that later separately. I also, so I have, I, I had to turn the subtitles on for this episode, full disclosure. I could not, the, the Australian <laughs> accents were too strong. Yeah, yeah. And there's just a lot of weird, I mean, you get, you gotta keep all these team names straight and stuff and just, it's important for this one. Yeah, and the characters' names, like, they're just not distinct enough because they're all footy players. I just, I had to turn the subtitles on. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, we see Poppy Brown getting, uh, paid money for the hat from a shadowy figure and then next up it's like the next day Bert has hired Miss Fisher to find the coach's lucky hat um <laughs> uh, she, so she comes over to the club to investigate and looks like she'd prefer to investigate those fit players oh yeah she definitely uh, takes some some time to enjoy the the players working out um and their little shorts their little shorts <laughs> Also, Bert, so Bert has a theory of who committed the crime, and it's that the West Melbourne, which is the rival team, took it. Well, he's right. That he's is right. who did it. <laughs> Smart guy, Bert. 
Um, but instead of just investigating this minor crime, she walks in a locker room where Harry Butt is still hanging by a West Melbourne scarf. Um, Harry Butt, Harry the Hangman. Harry, Harry, Harry. Harry, Harry Butt hanging. Harry. Harry Butt, Harry Butt, Harry. <laughs> Harry Butt, Harry is dead. <laughs> um, and then it seems like the Abbots, Abbot, Abbotsford fans are jonesing for a fight because they think that the rival team, West Melbourne, is definitely to blame for this murder. Um, and then Harry's wife, Celia, shows up to look suitably distraught, and another man is getting a little handsy with her. And the camera kind of zooms in on it. Oh, yeah, it's like, and he just sort of, like, caresses her stomach. Anyways, yeah. it seems to be comforting. So that's Vince, who is the team captain. No, he's, like, the, the vice. The vice team captain. Yeah, he was in line to be captain until Harry came right. over, so... Um, also, Jack and Hugh arrive during this scene. Indeed. Um, and then, like, Jack seems kind of, like, pissy with Miss Fisher in this scene. Like, because I think it's because she supports a different football team or club. No. I'm not sure. He, she gets a, he gets a little snippy. I didn't think that. I, like, just for a second. Yeah, like, he looks kind of surprised to see her there, but he obviously isn't actually surprised because she's there all the time. But then he makes, like, a snippy remark about her, like, not needing to investigate or, like, staying away from the bodies. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I don't know. But we learned that Miss Fisher was a Collingwood supporter, but has lapsed since Collingwood versus Carlton in 1910, but she doesn't say why. How do people remember this stuff? I mean, and, and Jack, he knows exactly the game she's talking about. And it was 18 years ago. Well, I did look it up, and that specific game wasn't on the article I found, but, like, that season was, like, really eventful, and I guess there was a lot of fights that broke out, mm. and I don't know. All right. I tried to understand what specifically it was, but I, I couldn't. But well, I will say, I remember specific football games from a long time ago. You do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess so, if they're memorable. And if you're there, and you're really invested in the outcome, yeah. you remember it. yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of clues in this scene. Vic has tape on his wrists and blisters on his feet. Big, gross, icky ones that I don't need to see so many times. Oh, they show up a lot. Lots of times. Um, and then Seth shows up, um, and we find out he's a West Melbourne man, as it turns out. So I was, like, sensing a fist fight in our future, but it never comes to blows. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how those two keep it civil, driving around in a taxi all day. Well, I guess perhaps friendship can outweigh. Yeah. Seth has a way of calming Bert down. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the rival coach, Gibbs, the West Melbourne coach, also shows up to offer his condolences. We find out Gibbs is a widower. He also lost his daughter in the past couple of years. And um, then it sounds like, I forget where this is from, but I have written that the hat thief is likely an orange seller in West Melbourne. I think Seth knows. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, we learn that Gibbs lost his wife and then his daughter... And then they ask him about... Maybe they don't ask him about the hat. Yeah, this I was just Ms. a lot Fisher, happening all at once. Yeah, Miss Fisher asks Sess, I yeah. think, and he re- remembers who she is. Yeah, because Bert asks, says, I bet it was that girl asking for autographs. And then Sess says, oh yeah, she works at the football game. So yeah, yeah. that's... Um, and then, yeah, Gibbs, I think Miss Fisher interviews Gibbs, who reveals that Harry Harper defected from West to Abbotsford, and uh, maybe he wasn't such a popular guy. Sounds like he was a ladies' man. Made some enemies. He had some controversial tactics on and off the field. Oh. With the ladies. Not on the field. I don't think women <laughs> were allowed to play rugby then. Yeah. Notably, Gibbs <laughs> is the only person that ever brings this up, so. Yeah. Um, and then, he, th- this is throughout the episode, but Hugh is like a big fan 
And Jack keeps having to remind him to set aside his allegiances. <laughs> because he's always, he's just sort of at the ready to, to blame West Melbourne for everything. Yeah. Well, it was their fault. Yeah. Well, sort, sort, sort of. Sort of, yeah. I it wasn't mean. because of team rivalry. Yeah. So then, um, Miss Fisher... Oh, sorry. I almost skipped the scene. Yeah, there's an, actually a great scene next that we need to talk about. <laughs> yes. So then Jack's ex-wife Rosie and her new sleaze bag, Sidney Fletcher, <laughs> roll up to reveal that they knew the Harpers well um, because Harry worked for Sidney Fletcher. Um, and it seems like Rosie has switched her team allegiance from West Melbourne to Abbotsford. Or, I, oh, I'm confused. No, so Rose's dad, the commissioner, is a, He's West, a West Melbourne, Melbourne fan. fan. Jack is an Abbotsford fan, and Sydney is an Abbotsford fan. So Rose remains an Abbots, Abbotsford fan because she apparently just goes with whatever her husband. Right, and yes. current fiancé. Thus introducing a theme in this episode of yes. whether or not a woman should support the, the team of her husband or right. beau. So, yeah. Just something I can't relate to at all. Rob doesn't care about sports. <laughs> uh, yeah, same. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think this scene is really weird because they just drive up and then they don't get out of their car and then they just drive away. And then Rose also tells Jack not to tell her dad she was there. Which is stupid. Which is just stupid. <laughs> I do love how when they drive up, he was like, your wife, your previous wife, Sarah, is here. <laughs> They really milk that wife ex wife gag because it, it happens again later in the yeah, show it does. and in like other episodes, but whatever, it's funny every time. Yes. Um, so then Miss Fisher strolls up to this fruit cart, high heels on cobblestones. I'm impressed. Whew. That's yeah. challenging. Um, and the mangy orange seller, Poppy Brown, under duress, does ultimately give a description of the man who paid her <laughs> to steal the hat. Um, a gold tooth is the, the big clue. And then down at the station, we see Goldtooth Man being questioned by Jack. Stan Baines. Baines! <laughs> um, and Miss Fisher flirts her way into this interrogation. <laughs> uh, he doesn't really seem to mind, though. But then, like, no. there aren't really any good clues turned up. I think she does get the hat back in this part. But in terms of the murder... Well, we learn that... So we learn that Harry played at West, defected to Abbotsford. And then... This is confusing. This whole episode is confusing. Okay, so we also learn that Baines and Harry, there's some tension there. Yeah, well, because we in the previous, like, there was a short scene of Jack and Hugh walking to the station mm -hmm. where um, J Hugh brings up a fight that they had yeah. on the field. So Harper and Baines had a punch out early in the season. A and we also learned out. that Harper would go soft whenever he went up against his old teammates, which isn't yeah. really that important. But. Yeah, um, but I think, yeah, she gets the hat back. Um, and then the deputy commissioner shows up to give Jack a hard time about harassing a player from his team. Um, and so Jack releases him and then a bunch of Abbotsford players outside the station just like harass them all on their way out. Men. <laughs> just ready for a fight. Yeah. Um, oh, we also learn, sorry, going back to what we learned in the interview, Gibbs, so Gibbs, who is the... The West Melbourne coach. The West Melbourne coach had dedicated the first match of the season to the dear departed. And Harry took this personally because he had left the team. But really, Coach Gibbs was, at least is what Stan Bain says, dedicated to his daughter Myra, who had died. Right. Well. <laughs> it was a warning to Harry. 
But it not was. for defecting. No. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so then there's a quick... Oh, sorry, no. Mc... Then, so then... Wait, wait, sorry. There's also a great line in this when uh, Phryne is flirting her way into the interrogation where Stan says, what is this? Is she your fullback? Oh, yeah, I have noted I don't know what a fullback is. That's what I wrote in my notes for that. I mean, it's a position... Uh, I shouldn't say what I think it is in football because I'm probably wrong. Okay. But it's like someone who helps the quarterback, who defends. Oh, like, so Jack's the quarterback yeah. and Miss Fisher is the fullback. When in, in reality, Miss Fisher is the quarterback and Jack is the fullback. Right. I might also have that position wrong, so. I mean. <laughs> Anyways, it's a funny line. Don't at me. <laughs> and then Friday says, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. In this, like a sexual manner. Oh, like, yeah. It's like, oh, fullback. <laughs> <laughs> we got a full back view of Harry Harper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then McLean, or McLean, I don't know. He comes to the house. He's the coach of Abbotsford. He comes mm-hmm. to Miss Fisher's house with his dog to answer some questions. Um, he thinks Harper came over to the Abbotsford team because Baines wouldn't let him spread his wings over at West. Um, and Dot is very allergic to his dog. She keeps sneezing. Bert gives her a disgusting handkerchief. Oh, yeah, it's funny. And uh, then he also mentions that Vince, the handsy guy, was next in line for the captaincy with Harper right. gone. Suspicious. Um, also, side note, in that we learn that Dot is allergic to dogs, and someone pointed out to us in the episode um, Dead Man's Chest, where she shoes the dog out of the kitchen with the broom, that that is why she does it. Because on the we were wondering why she was doing that. It's right, she's allergic. Right, yeah. I feel like they should have introduced it then, because at the at the time it just kind of made her seem like someone who hated dogs. Right. Which I mean, you know, some people don't like dogs, but it's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> right. And if you're allergic, that's like it just it's makes a different a lot story. More sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also this is where we are introduced to dots. Um, dots allegiance to her team. She would not be switching. If, even if she married right. Hugh. So, good Bert girl. is really upset about this for some reason. I mean, get over it, Bert. <laughs> Bert is like the Ron Weasley of the whole thing. Like, you know, he's like, he's got the sort of unpopular opinion. And then like Hermione's like, well, wait a second. House elves should have rights. You know, <laughs> Bert is like, well, I mean, house elves, they like being slaves. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so then we go to the morgue. Um, and at the morgue, uh, we were find that the blistered feet were caused by burns, but not from the hot water of the shower because it wouldn't have been hot enough. Mm-hmm. And also Harper was hung by a rope initially, not a scarf. Which I just, the whole switching the rope for the scarf thing, like I, how, like a scarf is not really as, as durable. And as very stretchy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like a... There's, like, a subplot of a whole Outlander, like, sequel where someone is hung and they hadn't properly stretched the rope first, so he, like, is able to, like, reach his feet down to the ground because it stretches out a lot, and that's a rope. But knit fabric is really stretchy. Yeah, I just don't understand the the physics of that. Yeah. I mean, he was already dead, but when we see him, his feet are not touching the ground. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't know. Um, also... Uh, they get in some light jabs about Rosie's new man, which I enjoy. Oh, yeah. What do do they say here? I forget. I don't remember. Just probably about his shiny suits. Oh, my God. his general demeanor and gross mustache. (laughs) I 
don't think that's actually what they say, but that's what I would say. Yeah, spoiler alert about that shiny suit. Might be making an appearance later for me in my in my wrap-up roundup. Um, so uh, then Jack and Miss Fisher go back to the locker room uh, where he sort of sits around and she roots around in lockers while they, like, talk about the clues. Um, Which, I feel like at this point, Jack has just given up. He's just gonna let her do her thing. Yeah. He's and like, he's, like, obviously aware that she's snooping. Like, yeah. He's just, like, turning a blind eye. Yeah. And then she, so she finds these, like, cruise tickets in Vince Barlow's locker. And I'm like, why are you keeping cruise tickets in your unlocked locker at the locker <laughs> room? No which sense. is clearly just, like, open to investigators. Like, that, you put that stuff in your sock drawer, man, or your jewelry box. Also, it's not like, like, he, I don't think he was married. Yeah. Like, it's not like he couldn't be keeping them at home. Yeah. his wife found I don't think we ever established that he was married. And it's like, why would he keep something like that in the same space that he shares with, the like, the man he's cuckolding? Like... I don't, I, whatever. It makes for, for a handy clue finding for Miss Fisher, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so then uh, Jack thinks it's suicide, um, and he brings, well, also there's, like, a little scrap of paper um, mm-hmm. on attack, which Miss Fisher takes note of, but we don't really find out until later what that is. Yeah. Um, and then Jack brings his suicide theory to McLean, who doesn't believe it, and he's angry about that. Even the, yeah, whatever. I don't, the coach is just frustrating and, and not helping the investigation at all. Yeah, and he's got a dumb little dog. <laughs> I mean, like, if you were being interviewed about a murder investigation, would you bring your dog along? Well, but dog people would. You know, if you were really a dog person, I think you would. Yeah, well, I <laughs> Listeners, you can't see it, but Mackenzie's making a face right now. <laughs> I like dogs, okay, but, like, anyway. <laughs> Back at City South. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, so the coach says that he was with the lads having a drink from 6 to 10 p.m. Right, yes. And he's very defensive about this. Yeah, but he kind of, I mean, we see him arrive at the football mm-hmm. club in the beginning, so. But... After everyone's already there. Yeah, exactly. All right. So then um, at City South, there's some hilarious banter about Jack's wife, former wife. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And we learn that Celia is staying with Rosie. Yeah. And her fiance, which I was wondering, do they live together? They sort of are acting like they don't live together, but they seem to be living together. Yeah. Well, I have this noted too, because it says that um, they say Harper's widow is staying with... uh, Sorry, with the, with Jack's with, wife, former and, wife, and her new fiance. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, okay, why are they living together pre-wedding? But then in the next scene, she they go to Sydney mm-hmm. Fletcher's house, and it's like confirmed Sydney Fletcher's house because Miss mm-hmm. Fisher comments yep. on it. And then Rosie answers the door and says she just stopped by. So it's like I think maybe a mistake actually just in the script where they make it seem like they're living together. Oh, I thought they were sort of everyone knew they were living together, but they weren't officially living together. I mean, maybe, yeah. I don't know. How scandalous would that, that have been in 1928? Probably pretty scandalous. Yeah, probably, right? Um, also, it wouldn't make sense for if that, yeah, it might just be a mistake because it's not like Celia would be staying with Sydney if Rosie wasn't living there. Like, that would be more scandalous. Yeah, that would also be weird. I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Um, I, anyways, I really love this banter. Oh, it's <laughs> so, good. so good. Yeah, and, you know, like the whole, like, pretty awkward but and then she says miss fisher miss fisher says that she's got he's got her on his team yes which is great and then there's some good looks from from jack and he looks just so uncomfortable the whole time <laughs> and jack is really just smirking but yeah friday's line where she's like well that's awkward but what's awkward compared to dying naked in the shower with the opposition's scarf around your neck <laughs> which I, mean, I have to agree that'd be pretty awkward yeah Oof. <laughs> when you put it that way yep um, so then they head over to interview Celia at Sydney Fletcher's palace. 
Um, it's like pretty out of control fancy. Um, and so Jack knocks on the door, Rosie answers, and there's an awkward moment <laughs> where she's talking to him as if he's by himself and then realizes that Miss Fisher is there and gets real snippy. Yeah, she's like, oh, thank goodness, it's Jack. Yeah. And she, then she's like, oh, and of course, Miss Fisher. Yeah. She clearly wants to keep jerking his lead mm-hmm. and uh, doesn't like to be blocked by Miss Fisher. So, all right, lady, you're going to go with the man with the shiniest suit you can find. You got to let Jack, you know, <laughs> go his own way. Yeah. We'll see how that turns out for you, Rosie. Um, <laughs> More to that. I actually love this Rosie Sydney storyline. Yeah. And its ultimate conclusion that if you haven't watched this, this whole show, we won't ruin, but it's great. Yeah. Get ready I mean, for it. I also think it's weird that, like, why is Sydney interested in Rosie? Like, because he's obviously a sleazebag. You'd think he'd be chasing, like, hot young co-eds, you know? Like, why isn't he marrying some, like, 18-year-old? Well, I think he's probably doing that on the side. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, but I think... 100% is. But, like, why isn't he trying to marry one? Is it because Rosie? Rap? Yeah. I think he's kind of a, you know, like, he's a businessman, but he probably wants, like, more status and respect in the community, and Rosie's, like, the daughter of the police commissioner. Some police protection. Also, you know, Sydney might, may or may not be involved in some shady dealings, so having, like, the police commissioner on your side would probably help you out. Turns out the police commissioner's involved in some shady dealings. Everyone's Um, everyone's involved in shady dealings. Yeah, well, I don't want to spoil too much. Except (laughs) Jack and Friday. Yeah. Um, so then, um, they go inside and, um, interview Celia, who reveals that Harry had a tough time after leaving West Melbourne. Um, thank God for dear old Sydney for getting him a job and everything. Uh, and Sydney's also hosting the funeral service. Yes. And then, um, she kind of, like, gets up and leaves, and she's overcome, and Miss Fisher asks if they think that they had a good marriage and Rosie thinks says she thinks they had a fine marriage but they seem a little they're both like oh yeah 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 it was fine yeah and it's weird they seem really hesitant yeah but we learned later that Celia had told Rose that they were talk ask her about divorce yeah so I don't know why she didn't say that yeah it's weird <laughs> it's a weird thing to do uh but Celia also had told them that they were planning a cruise to the continent also weird, like, why, I mean, she's clearly planning a cruise to the continent with Vince Barlow, which is, like, a hard thing to get away with if you're married. And, like, why would she, like, was Harry also planning a cruise? Like, what was the plan here? I don't know. I don't know. It didn't seem like a very well thought out plan. Okay. And then just the, the most awkward silence ensues. It's just, like, dead silence. Like, clock is just ticking. They're all just And then there. Jack's like, tell me about this serv- service that you're planning. And Rose is like, you shouldn't come for the police presence. <laughs> and then Jack just automatically like, yeah. later, is like, Friday, you're going to this, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, you heard about the party? Actually, you're yeah, not. Oh, you're, you're curious about that? No, you can't come. I think we're actually just gonna have not quite enough cocktails for everyone, so <laughs> if you could just stay home, please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, then back in the car, Miss Fisher agrees to go to the service instead of Jack and reveals her stolen cruise tickets. And then she also asked Jack if he ever took Rosie on a cruise to the continent. <laughs> but he said he had not. It's interesting that he reveals that he took her to some vacation cottages. That seems like an oddly personal revelation for Jack. So I know. He's letting her in. I know. And Friday's like, oh, good choice. Like she knows the spot. Perhaps someday they'll go there together. Maybe in the Can movie. Only hope. <laughs> You think in the movie they're gonna circle back to this random throwaway comment about some holiday cottages in the middle of season two? No, I don't yeah, think I don't they think will. So. But I guarantee there's a fan fiction. Readers, please—I mean, not readers, oh. listeners—please tweet it 
to us if there's a fan fiction. <laughs> maybe we, maybe I should write it. I think you should. I've never written fan fiction, so I don't know. Maybe I have. Maybe I have. <laughs> <laughs> Not for Miss Fisher Bell. <laughs> So. so then at the funeral, um, Rosie is at first kind of snippy with Miss Fisher, but then kind of warms up to her and reveals the bit about Celia considering a divorce. And it's like, why did you hang on to that one until now? Maybe she didn't want to say it in front of Jack. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, also, she says that Celia isn't a scarlet woman. It's not <laughs> like you think. <laughs> and then I like that Miss Fisher is like, I would never presume to judge a woman on the basis of her morals. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Miss Fisher. Uh, so then we once again see Vince Barlow looking a little handsy with Celia. So like, very attentive. They're definitely having an affair. Um, then Stan Baines shows up, which causes a bit of a stir. Uh, he's just trying to pay his respects, but everyone... Just pay my respects! Yeah. It's my... <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, get out of here! And, and he leaves a scarf, which seems, like, really rude. Yeah, considering he was, like, hung with a scarf. It's, like, bad taste, you know? Oh, very bad taste. I don't think Vince Barlow is someone who would be described as having good taste, though. No, no, probably not. The gold tooth and the suits and the general aggressive nature. Big dude. Yeah, big dude in a big lad suit. Yeah. Anyway, there's a dramatic ice bucket drop, which is significant. Yes, yeah. because this is the moment, there's always one, where Franny has, like, the revelation. It's like, oh. <gasps> ding, 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 ding. That ice is sticking to that maid's finger. <laughs> oh. So then Miss Fisher kind of sneaks out and she overhears two conversations that she isn't supposed to. Rosie and Vince arguing. Um, no, Vince and Celia. Sorry, yeah, Vince and Celia. My notes are wrong. Um, and then Stan Baines and some lady. <laughs> yeah, which, anyways, more on that later. I'm not totally clear on the substance of Celia and Vince's argument, just that, like, she seems angry. Which I think this just confirms they're having an affair, and he thinks, like, now Harry's out of the way, we can finally be together. And she's like, fuck you, this is literally my husband's funeral. Yeah, well, and I think... Because he asked her, what are you accusing me of? And I think he thinks that she thinks that he killed Harry. And he's like, I never, I I would have waited, but everything's different now. Because I think he's sort of like pushing the issue. Right, yeah. His cruise tickets. Well, that seems like it's in poor taste. Although it seems like he must have bought the cruise tickets before Harry died, so. Yeah, he must have. Also, like, you can't just take a grieving widow on a cruise. Like, that does not look good. I mean, people are going to be talking about that one for the rest of your lives. Even if you do get married, like... Come on. Yeah, the cruise plan was never a good idea. No matter what the scenario, I, I don't yeah. understand that. I mean, I follow this Instagram model 100% only because her husband died of cancer and then she married a new guy within five months. Whoa. <laughs> I mean. Too soon. You can't unfollow that, you know? The freckled fox, ladies and gentlemen. She's a Mormon mommy blogger. Wait. Oh, I was picturing Instagram model, like, bikini. Oh, well, she's really beautiful. But she's Mormon. Okay. Yeah. So probably no bikini shots. No, but she did have like six kids in six years or something. It's in her bio. Wow. But she is really beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Um, I guess maybe you would call her an influencer, not an Instagram model. Yeah, I was, I was picturing something different. Yeah, she's always slinging diapers and minivans, so. Anyway. (laughs) Apparently mommy vlogging can be very lucrative. Yeah, I bet. Our friend works at Stonyfield and he was showing us some of the people who like make these elaborate lunches for their kids and post them on Instagram. And they can make, like, a lot of money doing really? that. Really? 
Yeah, if they get, like, sponsored wow. by the places, like, the products that they're using and these fancy lunches that they're making for their kids. Anyways, it's, like, a whole thing. Weird. And I was like, maybe I should just start doing that, even though I don't have children. You want to Because who some? would know? <laughs> who would know? If you're just posting pictures of fancy lunches, who would know that you don't have kids? Yeah. That's so weird. Capitalism. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Anyways. <clears throat> so, yeah. Stan Bain's talks to some woman and then she says like they're on to us or something so clearly there's something shady happening there yeah she's like we need to talk and then the ruffians arrive and the woman runs off yeah there's a little bit of a little bit of a punch up yeah that's a good word for it (laughs) a little scrum maybe (laughs) something like that um all right so back at the station jack is questioning vince about his relationship with celia and the cruise tickets and he confirms that celia was asking harry for a divorce and then they were apparently going to go on a cruise. So meanwhile, Franny is talking to Celia. Um, she says that Harry was wrapped up in his own problems, never got over making this the move to Abbotsford. Um, and then she reveals, and I don't know if this is really significant, but apparently Sydney offered him the job and a house, which clinched the deal of him moving teams. Hmm. So it's sort of like, they sort of portrayed it before as that, like, he moved to the team and then he got the job, but it seems like that was on the table before he moved. So it was a bribe, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, because Sydney's a little sh- a little shady. I mean, those shiny suits. It's up to no good. <laughs> so shiny. Clearly, clearly the suit of a gangster. Clearly. <laughs> um, and then he, she says, the night before he died, Harry said, and then Sanderson shows up, and we never, that it's yeah. not revealed. I wonder well, it is revealed, but. What did he say? Wait, maybe we don't ever know. I don't know. Anyways, huh. Sanderson arrives, and he tells Jack, who I have in my notes is looking sexy AF. <laughs> yes. just, it's just like a good, he's sort of like, oh, what do you got this time? <laughs> um, that he needs to do something before the match on Saturday. And uh, Jack asks him if he knew about the house and the job for Harry, a bribe to swap teams. And then Sanderson tells him to hold Barlow over Vince overnight for no reason, basically. And Jack is like, it's like, don't tell me how to do my job. Um, Franny's definitely snooping and Sanderson gives her a nasty look. Foreshadowing for future nasty looks. <laughs> and tells her not to mess with the evidence. <laughs> Too late, I already did. For every case, for the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sanderson really doesn't, doesn't seem to like Friday. I'm not impressed. <laughs> um, Jack doesn't seem to have a problem with it, though. Yep. So then, oh, this we do learn what, what happened the night before Harry died. Friday reveals um, that Celia told her that Harry refused to give her a divorce the night before he died. Right. So... Barlow is spending the night in jail because that's what Jack needed to hold him. Yes. He learned, yeah, he wanted a divorce. Harry didn't, obviously. (laughs) Um, And then we also, in this scene, the coroner's report is in and there's clearly a a blow to his head and his hands were bound. So it's definitely murder, not suicide. Again, we don't know why the scarf yet. Again, it's always murder. It's always murder, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely murder. Also, like, it's kind of gross that she was just touching that scarf in the station. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, she was wearing gloves, but, like... Yeah, I never scarf, thought about that. That scarf was on a corpse. <laughs> yeah, but, like, Franny has also just, like, looked at corpses a lot, so... But it's one thing to look, and it's quite another to touch. All right, you remember the, the bones from that crypt a few episodes ago? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just pawned through those, so... Just, yep. Bullets rolling around in the skulls. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. <clears throat> So then the next day, because they hold Barlow, Vince Barlow overnight, and they're letting him out 
for some field time, some outside time, and he was <laughs> skulking around and being sulky. And he says he's burnt his uh, his Abbotsford scarf. And now, was it necessary to burn it, or could he have just sort of given it to the St. Vincent de Paul? Was it, you know? I, it... You know, I think it was, a, it was symbolic. He was really, he's really upset. Yeah. And his team, turns out, they may be good at, at rugby, at footy, but they're not all virtuous people. Yeah. It's a tough time for you. Yeah. But I think an important lesson that a lot of times athletes may be good at sports and not always good people. That's true. Yeah. Anyways, I'll, I'll spare everyone that rant. <laughs> I, I did go to Michigan State, though, and there's been several scandals. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> All right. Okay, so he says he's burnt his, his scarf, and they're supervising Barlow's outside time. And then Dot arrives with some treats, of course. Um, and then Collins, she kind of, like, convinces Hugh that, I, I don't know, that things will be okay. <laughs> yeah, well, she's like, it's important to be loyal to your team, even when they've all been accused of murder. Like, you know... <laughs> How heartwarming. So then he gets out there and he tosses the ball yeah. around. Um, which, yeah, again, I don't know if, you're, if your team ends up being murderers, do you stick with them? Probably not. Yeah, unclear, but probably no. Because I think at this point, they don't know that he's not a murderer. Yeah. Um, so back at the West Melbourne clubhouse, someone pours a drink. That someone is Baines, Stan Baines, and he's calling Miss Fisher. No one answers. Um, and then we see, you know, at Miss Fisher's house, and then Dot arrives, starts sneezing after picking up Franny's glove, um, which is in the hallway, which has dog hair on it. Um, and then the phone rings again. It's Stan again. He has a confession, and he tells Franny to come to the club, and then he, he tosses back his whiskey. Hmm. What could that confession be? We'll Dun -dun. never know. At the club, Franny approaches, but someone beats her there with a gun. So there's a gunshot. She leaps over a fence, because why not? Draws her gun, but she's too late, and Stan is dead. I have in my note, let the bodies hit the floor. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because this is the part, I think, in the series where the body count just starts. Every episode, there's... Oh, yeah. There's always this, a follow-up murder. Yeah. Yeah. It's never just one anymore. No. Because... <laughs> You know, as consumers of violent media, we're getting desensitized. We need more and more violence yep. to get our fix. So. One murder isn't enough. <laughs> Anyways, Stan's dead. So she jumps around her black beret a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, also, we learned that Essie Davis tries to do as many of the stunts as possible. So I was trying to figure out if this was her actually jumping over the fence, and I think it was. Yeah, I could be wrong. I mean, props to Essie Davis. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. All right, so then Jack and Hugh arrive. Um, and Franny tells them about the woman she saw Stan Baines talking to at the memorial service. And as they examine the body, Jack notices that there are numbers carved into Stan's forehead. Which, my question is, how did the murderer have time to shoot him and then carve these numbers while Franny was approaching? Yeah. And then also get away before she came... I, I don't, the timing is a little off. Also, how much satisfaction do you get, you know, as the murderer from carving this symbolic message yeah, into know. a corpse's forehead, which ultimately just helps you to be caught? Mm -hmm. Maybe just let it be. Although, I think he kind of, I, he I think he was beyond care. Yeah, I think he kind of just, he was out for revenge. Sort of had nothing left to live for at that point. Yeah, exactly. Except for his successful career as a football coach. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Your wife and your daughter die, and it turns out that your daughter, like, died from a botched abortion, and that's just more, maybe that just ends up being more important than your job. Could be. Yeah. Anyways, so the number is 297, 
Uh, which is that could it be the number of games that he's played? But he's played 298, says Hugh. How does he know this? Who knows? I, I, that's a lot of games to play. Very silly. Um, so then Mr. Gibbs arrives, the coach. Um, and Friday notices a photo on the wall and sees Poppy and the woman from the memorial service in this photo. Um, I guess we don't really get anything from Gibbs arriving, but he comes to the clubhouse. Oh, you know what I wanted to note earlier is that Poppy Brown seems 100% like the kind of girl that would have beaten me up on the playground. Oh yeah, she's tough. She's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't have messed with her. (laughs) Nope. Um, so then Jack brings Pat O'Farrell in for questioning because he has a record of being a ruffian. (laughs) What? Um, that was the guy Baines punched. Yeah, at and, and him and Baines got in a fight uh, at the memorial service. So red herring. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't actually have anything to do with this. He's just a general, all-purpose ruffian. Um, so he says that he had an alibi for when Baines was shot. He was having a drink with the lads. It's always, it's always the alibi. Having a drink with the lads. Yeah, I mean the lads are always going to back you up. So, um, but uh, I mean he also got in a fight and went to the hospital. So I think that was his real alibi. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, so then Jack also questions McLean, who dodges whether he owns a gun or not. I don't know why. Seems unnecessary. Yeah. Um, and then Phryne arrives and asks McLean about his dog and about the dog hair on the scarf, because she's tied together the, the scarf and the dog hair on her glove and Dot's allergies. Do you think they would have ever solved this crime if Dot hadn't been allergic to dogs? Perhaps not. Well, no, they might have. The scarf was kind of like not actually the murder. Yeah, that's true. This was just sort of a red herring. Yeah. Some obstructionism. And a, a, a stupid, a, a stupid thing to do on McQueen's part. Yeah, extremely stupid. Um. So anyways, so she asks him about the scarf and he says that one of his players stole the scarf and gave it to him and he gave it to the dog to sleep on. And I don't know. I don't know why you do that. But anyways, he then admits that he found Harry dead in the shower and went to the this his office got the scarf and swapped it for the rope to cast blame on West Melbourne. It it makes no sense. I don't know why you would do this. Yeah, well, he definitely doesn't want the team to think that he committed suicide, right? So he hides mm. the note. Um, right. But, like, why not just hide the note and leave off the scarf? Yeah, because you could just take away the suicide note, and ultimately the coroner's report would reveal the blows. I guess he didn't know. He, he really thought, it, thought was it was suicide. suicide. Which Sorry. is weird, because he protests so much when Jack is like, it was suicide. Well, yeah, because he doesn't want them to think it was suicide. Right, yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah, so the note, we find about the note pinned to the coat rack. McLean didn't want it to come out. They committed suicide for switching teams. And he also reveals that there was some ice left over the drain. And he assumes that it's from the cold water treatments. Right. So then Jack and Franny stake out a giant ice cube. (laughs) Where are they getting this from? I I wondered that myself. (laughs) I don't know. So they go to the clubhouse, to the locker room. They put a giant ice cube under the shower to see how long it will take to melt, which I just feel like that's going to take a long time to melt. And that they were just sitting there for a long time. In a steamy room. In a steamy room. And I have to imagine that we there's some off-screen action that we just don't get to see. Yeah, but also Dot, I think, is there. She Well, like, she brings a picnic. She brings but a that's picnic. Before the ISIS. Like, there's some time in there where they're just alone in that steamy locker room. Another stakeout with Dot's picnic basket. Think they ate any cottage pie? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um. 
But so they time they're timing Yeah, it. they're timing it. The whole point of this is that they time it and then they determine that Harper was forced onto the block of ice at six forty five PM. Based on how much ice was left when McLean found the body. Which is it's a bold time of day to go about hanging someone, I mean. Yeah, but they knew that everyone else was in the clubhouse celebrating. But what if somebody came back because they forgot their sock or something? You know, it's just risky. Well, I think murder in general is risky and bold no matter when and where you commit it. Less risky if you do it at like 1 o'clock in the morning than at 6.45 p.m. Yeah, true. Um, so then Hugh goes to see Poppy again and asks her about the woman in the photo that they found in the West Melbourne clubhouse. And she says it's Mrs. Dangerfield, which is a great name. Dangerfield. Um, And she used to be the club nurse um, before Myra Gibbs died. So Gibbs, the daughter of the coach. Um, So then Jack and Franny go to visit Mrs. Dangerfield. And she reveals, this is the crux of the case, (laughs) that Stan Baines had telephoned her two years ago telling her that Myra, the coach's daughter, was in trouble and had already tried to help herself. So she was was knocked up, tried to get an abortion, didn't go so well, and then calls has Stan Baines call the club nurse, and then she dies in the hospital, which is just really, really sad. Yeah, it is sad. Do you it's think she really... went to the Butcher George? Probably. <sighs> Those rusty tools. <laughs> What a way to go. Why, though, did Gibbs wait? This was two years ago. Why did Gibbs wait two years to enact his revenge? I'm wondering. Well, I think it took him It took him two years to find Mrs. Dangerfield, is oh, what they say. Okay. Um, so I think he was kind of trying to unravel all of this. It just took him a while. Right. <clears throat> right. Um, and then she also reveals that she has the death, death notice, of, and she died on July 29th. Which is important. So then the crew goes to talk to Gibbs. And Phryne asks him about Myra's death. And puts together that the number carved in Bane's forehead was the date of Myra's death. 29-7. I think, I mean, they put it together beforehand, right? And they're going, oh, yeah, they're they're going yeah. here to stage a confession scene. Yes. Well, yes. Um, Phryne also produces the death notice. And then this is where he reveals that he has tracked down Mrs. Dangerfield. Um... And he gave Harry a chance to confess when he dedicated the game to the dear departed. So he was sort of wanting Harry to... I, I don't know why he thought that would work. Like, Harry obviously, like, got Myra pregnant. She dies. He he switches teams to sort of avoid the whole mess. And then, anyways. Yeah, I don't think he was feeling a ton of remorse. No, he just had kind of, like, moved on. But Gibbs wanted him to be held accountable, so he dedicates the game to the dear departed. Pretty oblique reference, though, honestly. Yeah, I, I just I don't know why. I think I think at this point Gibbs had started his his spiral. Yeah. Um, and then Harry instead just picks a fight with Baines, and this is where the punch out happens. So then Gibbs tries forcing Harry to confess to knocking out Myra. Sorry, knocking up. That's it's so it's so crude. Tries forcing Harry to confess to impregnating Myra. That's also crude. I don't know. Anyways. Um, <laughs> to getting Myra in the family way. Much, much better. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Myra had told 
Mrs. Dangerfield, there was two men involved before she died. So once Gibbs, this is where I, I, this timing is all, I don't know why this all took two years. But anyways, once Gibbs tracks down Mrs. Dangerfield, she's like, oh, there's two men involved. And so Harry, um, so Gibbs makes Harry confess that Baines told him to get shot of Myra because footy was all that mattered. Mm. So Baines, real, real cool guy. Anyways. Um, oh, he also says that Myra knitted the scarf for him. Ugh. So sad. Ugh. Anyway, so then he went after Baines. And this is one of, like, this is, it's not like a favorite line because it's really dark, but it's delivered really well, where he says, in for a penny, in for a pound. And I just feel like the way the actor delivers it is just, like, very dramatic. Wait, who says that? Gibbs. Gibbs. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, why did you kill Bane? Like, you know, he's like, in for a penny, in for a pound. Oh, my God. <laughs> Woof. Also, because he thought, I mean, he thought Baines was involved, too, right? Well, Baines was involved. Yeah. He knows Baines was involved. But, you know, murder is, is a pretty extreme step that's, to take. That's in for a pound, yeah. 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 Um, also, Baines, as far as I can tell, was just trying to, like, cover the whole thing up for the team. Yeah. Which, like, isn't okay, but, like, he wasn't really, like, Harry was the culpable one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Baines was also culpable, but just in a different... Yeah. Anyways, no one deserves to get murdered, so. Uh, in for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> so then everyone heads to the rugby pitch, as if none of these murders happened. Which just, I found to be a little jarring. Just another day at the rugby pitch. Well, I mean, they do mention, because Rosie is like, oh, father wanted to cancel yeah. the match. Um, but it, Sydney insisted that the game go ahead. So, classy guy. Like, <sighs> Sydney. Especially since it was, like, the guy that he bribed over to his team with, like, a house yeah, and a job. Yeah. Uh, Sydney. Ugh. Um, anyways, <laughs> so Sass and Bird are really excited. Dot has knit Hugh a new scarf because he burned his. Ugh. And he, I mean, that was, that was quick work on her part because scarves take a while to Yeah, knit. but this is Dot. She could probably knit a scarf in an afternoon. I guess so. Like, I, the, in the amount of time that I would lay on the couch, like, watching stupid YouTube videos, Dot would have made several scarves <laughs> on any given day. I do want to note, though, that I don't know, they probably did research and these scarves were sort of authentic, but... They look like the kind of scarf that I knitted when I was in middle school and I only knew, like, one stitch pattern. Like, Oh, yeah, I thought that, too. I was like, this is just, this looks like they're, it's a knit pearl, knit pearl. Oh, I think it's not. I think it's just all knit. Knit on the right side, knit on the wrong side. Then you get, um, I think, st- stock, not stock, like, seed stitch, is that called? Yeah, I thought that was knit one row, pearl one row. No, if you got knit, if you knit on the right side and pearl mm-hmm. on the wrong side, you would get stock and net, oh, which would right. be, it would yep. appear to be all yep. knit on the right side. But if you do opposites you get that pearl yep, yep. Yeah, r- you're right. ridge <laughs> very interesting knitting trivia <laughs> <listeners>. <laughs> um and then we get this really 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 charming scene of jack and Friny, where he asks her what kept her away from the game and she reveals that her mother caught her sneaking beer to one of the players <laughs> when she was 10 oh so. my god who accepts beer from a 10-year-old? I don't know. I thought that was really weird, but also just hilarious. It's a lot. <laughs> um, and then Jack very tenderly places the scarf around Friday's neck, and we get this great shot of Rosie looking back and seeing it happen. Oh, it's magic. <laughs> it's magic. This is oh, the God. dream that your crush, or sorry, not your crush, your ex, literally your ex, sees you with mm-hmm. your new, like, lover, or in this case, everyone thinks that they're... Right, getting it on, like, and yeah. they're not. But anyway, and just looks wildly jealous. Like, who mm-hmm. hasn't imagined this scenario? Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. It's just like riding the roller coaster with your crush. Oh, it's yeah. It's a fantasy scenario. Uh, and they just look like they're about to kiss, but then, of course, the episode ends. Oh, man. this When I was watching this series through for the first time, this was a big moment for me. Oh, I yeah. Like, oh, what? <laughs> I thought they were going to kiss, and then they just don't. But, yeah, they I go mean, all, like, sort of glassy-eyed. <sighs> and mm. Mm. <sighs> Anyways, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, did you want to do your murder recap sure it's a little again this was really confusing so i probably anyways listeners if i miss anything in this feel free to correct me (laughs) um so harry hopkins and stan baines harry harper harry hopkins what that's like what how did that end up in my notes is that autocorrect no this is some no this is me thinking of harry hopkins which is like a character in another in something else you're getting your your media confused. I think it might be a, a character from a Beverly Cleary book. Okay. <laughs> is that like, is that like Ramona? Yeah, is wait, that... who is? I think it might. I'm going to look it up. Harry Hopkins. I think it's should... a character from the Ramona book. I should know this because I've been volunteering at the children's <laughs> section of the library. Harry Hopkins. Uh, an American so- social worker, the eighth secretary of commerce. Wow, that's way dorkier even than a Beverly Cleary reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not getting that with Googling. <laughs> Harry, Henry Huggins is who I was thinking of. Henry Huggins. So you were just way off on both counts. Okay, okay. So Harry Harper, <laughs> the actual character from this episode. <laughs> Um, and Stan Baines were both players on the West Melbourne footy team, coached by Mr. Gibbs. Okay. Gibbs' wife dies, and then a year later, his daughter Myra dies from a botched abortion after getting knocked up by the star player, Harry Hopkins. Harry Hopkins! Again, Harry Harper! (laughs) I just have it as Harry Hopkins. (laughs) Anyway, so Stan Baines helps cover it up and keep keep things from the coach and keep the team and the game first. So he kind of helps... Cover this up. Um, wants Harry to get rid of Myra. She ends up, up dying. It's it's very sad, and and Stan Stan is involved. Um, so then Harry switches teams um, to Abbotsford, rival Abbotsford, to get away from Gibbs and this whole situation. And then he marries Celia and just I don't know thinks he can get on with his life. Um, he becomes team captain, upstaging Vince Barlow, who is in line for the job. So that's a little shitty. And then Celia and Harry are having marriage troubles. I mean, shocking, given that, that he basically married her to, like, I don't know, move on from all of his his sordid past. And then um, Vince and Celia start having an affair. So Gibbs, meanwhile, has tracked down the nurse who helped after the botched abortion and goes after Harry Harper. So he attacks him, ties him up in the shower over a block of ice, forces him to write a suicide note, and also gets out of him that Stan Baines was involved um, in the abortion scenario. So then he leaves him to die as the ice melts, which, that would be horrible. Just what a way to go. That's super cruel. I mean, only, only like a grieving parent could conceive of such a cruel torture. Oh, it'd be horrible. Oh, and and like the blisters on his feet. Anyway, so, whew, heavy stuff. Yikes. So then Abbotsford coach McLean finds the body, freaks out because he thinks he committed suicide because he switched teams and was regretting it, um, and replaces the rope with a West Melbourne scarf that one of his players has stolen and that he'd given to his dog as a bed. Um, So Gibbs, now knowing that Baines was involved, comes to him a few nights later, shoots him, carves the date of his daughter's death in his forehead. Um, 
And that's that. The stolen hat, the affair, and the scarf all have pretty much nothing to do with the actual killing. Hmm. Bunch of red herrings. Many red herrings. And, you know, I want to note that I did at first think it was a bit silly that uh, Abbotsford would have stolen a West Melbourne scarf. Mm -hmm. But then I thought back to my days as a college Mm -hmm. uh, crew team member and stealing things off of rival teams trailers was a regular event and then these items were treasured and passed down yeah. like a yeah. wellesley uni or like hat or whatever it was like something we would like covet right which is it's like, weird a weird thing to do yeah but it's also like at michigan state we would camp out all night the band would camp out all night in front of the mascot the sparty statue on campus because like this one time decades ago the michigan players came and like vandalize the statue <laughs> so for years now the the tradition has been that the band like guards the statue the night before the michigan game that's kind of like, cute yeah <laughs> it's like the time seems really important like it's like well yeah we're gonna we're gonna stay up all night to protect uh-huh. this. traditions yeah so anyways i don't know i didn't uh-huh. think that was that weird but yeah and- yeah well we were just regularly warned don't leave your shit on the trailer because <laughs> other teams are gonna walk by and they're gonna pick it up and walk away with it and then you're gonna have to pay for it <laughs> So, best outfit. Um, So, I had, as just I want to note, as runner-up, Hugh's suit that he wears to the match. He looks adorable. Oh, I love Hugh in a suit. Yeah. We never get to see him out of uniform, so it's a rare treat. Um, But my true best outfit is the blue lace jacket that Miss Fisher Mm -hmm. wears. And it has, like, these things clipped to it. Like, these little, like, amber pendants. And they match the amber earrings that she's wearing. So, it's just, like... Yeah. A plus for coordination. That's my best outfit. I, I had a different coat that she wears. It's the black coat with a floral embroidered Ooh. trim. Also a great coat. It's just like, it, it on point. I love it. Yes. Good week for outfits, I think. Yeah, I think so. Because there's a lot of ladies in this episode. You know, we got Celia, mm-hmm. we got Rosie. That's actually all of them, but you know. Yeah, a lot of ladies. It's not always that many, though. <laughs> um, although Rosie, in the first scene, I forgot to mention this when we, we talked about that scene, she's wearing a really shiny hat. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I don't have that my worst outfit, but it's it's just like it's like a helmet. I guess she's been shopping at the same places as her fiance. Yeah, I'm like, is he he's rubbing off on you? <laughs> um, worst outfit? Um, I had so I love this scene at the end, but Friday is wearing that the, the bucket hat. I don't like the bucket hat. I don't like so it. So I had it as my worst outfit because I just wish she was wearing a different. She has many fabulous hats, and I just wish she had been wearing one of them in the scene. I mean, the 90s are coming back, and that is sort of the uh, heyday of bucket hats, and I wonder, like, are, are bucket hats coming back, too? Never. I will never. I had a bucket hat. I will never own a bucket hat again. Yeah, I had one, too. I thought it was so cool. We went to Florida on vacation when I was in middle school, and I was like, I'm wearing my bucket hat from, like, Hollister. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was my peak cool. Oh, my God. I think I had an Abercrombie t-shirt that I wore with it. Oh, yeah. Um... So my worst outfit was once again Sydney Fletcher's chrome suit. It's so shiny. It's too shiny. It's too shiny. Should be allowed. Uh, best week. I had Friny. She gets to flaunt her burgeoning relationship with Jack in front of Rosie, which just it's gotta feel good. <laughs> um, yeah, I had Jack because um, he's uh-huh. living the dream. His ex sees him with this hot new thing and looks jealous as fuck. When? Uh, what about worst week? Um, oh gosh, I couldn't decide. I didn't think anyone had a particularly bad week because even the widow of the murder victim is actually having an affair and was probably glad to be shot of the guy. 
Oh, I had Hurry's worst week. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. But, like, not, like, the worst week ever. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I guess so. Yeah. Like, her husband gets murdered, and then her lover is, like, under suspicion for the murder, ends up in jail, like... But ultimately, he didn't commit the murder, and now True. she's free to go on a cruise with him to the continent or whatever. True. True. So, did you pick anyone, or you just... I just, I thought I would make a game time decision, and now that it's game time, I can't decide. Mm. All right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh... I mean, Gibbs has had a, a hard couple of years. Yeah, but, I mean, as the murderer, I feel like maybe he's exempt from... Yeah, he then dealt with it in entirely the wrong way. Maybe Stan Baines, you know? Like, did he deserve to die? Arguably not. No, but he seemed like kind of a jerk. Yeah, that gold tooth was a real giveaway. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Bit of a draw for me this week. Yeah. <clears throat> what about new skill? Um, I put smuggling beer to football players. <laughs> I but it wasn't like a great week for skills. Yeah, I put ice melting. Okay, which isn't yeah. a skill. Literally anyone can do it. But I thought <laughs> that was clever that she figured that out. It so. was clever that she figured it out. Um, what did you rate the murder method? I mean. Ice block hanging. What a move. I gave it a 10. I gave it a 9. It, I mean, and I only gave it a 9. I was going to give it a 10, and then I remember the spider. Right, yeah. And if that's our standard, this isn't quite there, but it's like, it's up there. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it is unbeatable, really. Yeah. Unless there's a spider involved. <sighs> I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> Anyways. It's a great one. <laughs> sexual tension. Oh, um, I mean, it's sexual tension, like... 9.75. I put 7.5. What? He literally loops a scarf around her neck at close range. It's like he's <laughs> drawing her in. <laughs> true, true. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And then when she says, you've got me on your team, she's basically like, oh yeah, I'm here to make your ex-wife jealous. Like, yeah, and then, is out. True. And the jealousy, Yeah. The jealousy is off the charts. Like if we off had, the charts. If we had a jealousy rating, it would be like 27. Maybe we should introduce a jealousy rating. Yeah, well, Rosie's not present that often. <sighs> this might be the most jealous she ever gets, though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we do see her in future episodes, so yeah. we'll have to keep an eye on it. Well, I guess we could introduce a jealousy rating for Jack. Mm -hmm. Jack is frequently jealous. Yeah, because, like, at this point, it seems like, oh, him and Franny, their relationship is, is like, just so close to, to getting off. But, you know... Not too much of a spoiler. Franny does get involved with some other men. Several, Several others. other men in the next, the, the, in the interim, so. Listen, she can't be tied down. I expect there'll be other men in the movie as well. <laughs> I mean, I hope so, because I personally am a fan of Jealous Jack, but I know that's not a shared by everyone, but. I like Jealous Jack. I like Jealous Jack. All right. I think that that's it for this week. Yeah. Next week, we get Blood at the Wheel. Oh, I love Blood at the Wheel. A terrific episode. So good. So good. So Sexual good. tension off the charts. Oh, the, the, the scene at the beginning. So good. Is so good. So good. Like, gives me chills just thinking about it. Anyways. And also just, like, sexy race car drivers. Um, lady race car drivers. Is oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. As always, listeners, please uh, rate and subscribe on iTunes, and please get in touch. We love hearing from you. We love your corrections, because we get it wrong a lot of the time. <laughs> And we love your thoughts. And, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. See you in a couple weeks. And, you know, just one more plug for the merch. Check it out. It's yeah, cool. buy a mug. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week. Or two weeks. <laughs> Till two weeks.
Here's, can I, just for, just, I'll just say, people call him the GOAT, because it's the greatest of all time. But, which is just like, okay, that, let's set that aside. But I've heard several sports announcers, announcers say the GOAT of all time. And that's redundant. That's like saying an ATM machine. And just no one should ever say that again. Wow, that wasn't included in my rant at all. So I'm glad you brought oh, that no. up, because now I know something new. The GOAT of all time. But, I'm going to get a tattoo of that. No, no, no. <laughs> you could just get goat. 